0: Of value today is, is in your service folder. There are these sheets with a sermon outline. It's called message notes and it takes you through a little outline of where we're headed today and the direction that we're going in. This might surprise some of you, but I'm not always the most eloquent with words. The worst time, maybe you can relate to this, the worst time is, is when I'm on the phone. Okay, I, I have one of those smartphones. I know how to make it work. I know how to check the weather and everything. I can do anything on my smartphone, but talking is one of the things that's the hardest. Okay, so you're on the phone. You're having this conversation with somebody, and the worst part is the ending. Have you ever noticed that? It's like you're wrapping things up. You're ready to say goodbye, and and you're, are they going to say goodbye first? Are you going to say goodbye? So you're like, okay, well, it's nice talking to. Yep, you too. Yeah. Well, I'll... bye. <laughs> 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 Everything was going great, but then, like, where did my words go? <laughs> it, it, there's this, at the end of the conversation, you can just botch it, and the whole thing, you know, goes, goes away. Uh, may, maybe you've related to that, too. Uh, maybe it's not just the ending of the phone call, right? Uh, maybe there's this awkward pause, and it's like, well, I guess that's all that's new with me. And they say, oh, I guess that's all that's new with me. And, you know, what do we talk about? What, what Jesus does for us with prayer is that he helps us with the words. Because let, let's be honest, maybe it's, it's not just the ending that we botch, but it's, you know, where do I start? Where is this prayer going? What does God want me to talk about? Um, and, and there's a, a big level of practicality that we have to address yet. Because up to this point, we've looked at all the different other issues of prayer. We've talked about how we're on speed dial with God, how we're, we have an open line to Him through Jesus. Uh, how we can redial to Him time and time again. God is honored by our persistence. Uh, we've looked at how uh, sometimes God doesn't answer right away. Sometimes we're on hold because he has something that he's needing to do to us or through us. Uh, but finally, you have to ask, well, how do I do it? What words do you want me to use? And today Jesus is going to take us through some, some talking points. Talking points. Um, who, who uses talking points generally? When, when do you hear the, that phrase used? Someone was almost brave enough to say it, but I couldn't hear you. Motivational speakers have their talking points, yeah? People who speak in front of crowds. Um, and, and maybe the first thing I thought of politicians, right? Politicians have talking points. In fact, that's one of the criticisms. Oh, he's just talking, going back to his talking points. Um, th- these talking points are something they, tar- they carry into a, a discussion, So that when a topic comes up, they can that's their cue to respond with the talking point. Like George Bush Sr. when he was president, you know, somebody asked him about the economy or about taxes, what did he tell them? Read my lips. Yeah, over and over and over again. No new taxes, no new taxes. That was one of his talking points. Or you talk to President Obama, you know, how's the economy? Well, what's what's his talking point? never mind, that's too dangerous, <laughs> don't, don't answer, uh, but, but he would say something like, you know, unemployment numbers getting better, or, or um, uh, minimum, minimum wage going up, or people paying their fair share, you know, there's certain catchphrases and certain talking points that each politician has, that's something Jesus gives you in your conversations with God, you know, there, there are things in life that happen that are cues, that drive you back to the talking points that he's about to teach you. That's kind of what the Lord's prayer is. It's a series of cues that teach you what to say. And we're going to we're going to look through these. We're going to summarize them in three main points. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, we we went through Luke's section where he talks about a different prayer, and we kind of summarize the Lord's Prayer in three, three easy-to-remember points. Uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to expand those three points and really see what Jesus is teaching us to say. What are the words he wants, he wants us to use? Uh, first of all, I'm going to put up here just the entire section from Luke, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 6. Now, this is what Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. Now, I have to set this up a little bit. It's going to change. Just bear with me. What Jesus just told his disciples is, when you pray, go to a room, close the door by yourself and pray to God who is unseen. Then he goes on to say, when you pray, say this, by yourself, our, us, our, us, our, we, our, us, us. Now either you have a friend who's hiding in the closet and you're praying with him or Jesus is expanding our ideas a little bit here. One truth we already talked about in this series is that it's good, it's important, absolutely necessary to have your place and your time where you are alone with him in prayer. But then when you look at this prayer, and when you look at other places in the Bible, another truth comes up. It is important, it is necessary to have times when you connect with God with an open window to other people. We're just going to list this as our, as our first um, main point here on your, on your sermon sheet, our first fill-in, if you want to go ahead with the next slide here. Um, there is a time and a place to pray to God with an open window to others. And towards the end, we're, we're really going to expand on that and see why that's an important thing for you to try and to do and, and what it means to do that but I just wanted to get that seed planted right away as you just look at the prayer Jesus teaches. <clears throat> and by the way, praying with other people, praying out loud with other people, have you ever done it? If I divided you into groups of eight right now and I said, go around and pray, what would you do? Leave? <laughs> I have to go to the bathroom, you know, come back 10 minutes later. You know, maybe praying in a group is kind of frightening for a lot of us. You know, what do I say? What do I do? Here's the cool thing. Jesus gives you some talking points. Let's look at the first one. First main point that he tells us the first talking point, when you pray, tell God why he's great. That means you have to look at your life and find examples from when he was great. That can be a dangerous thing, especially if you're talking about the 9:30 service. I mean, those guys just have messed up lives. And if they're looking for evidence of God's greatness, it's it's going to be crazy. I said the same thing about you to the 9.30 service. (laughs) I guess the truth is, we all have that part or that sector of our lives where we say, you know what? Things could be better. Things aren't all that great. And you might be scratching your head, well, how can I tell God that he's great if I'm not sure where to look? Here's your first cue. Hallowed be your name. When you pray to God, tell him, hallowed be your name. That word hallowed is not used too much. The word hallowed. It's not used much today unless you read Harry Potter books. Uh, the word hallo, the Greek word is hagiadzo. <coughs> Take my word for it. And the Greek word hagiadzo, which is the word for hallo, that, that word is used quite a bit in the New Testament, actually, when you look at the Bible in the Greek. That word hagiadzo. In fact, do you know who it often refers to? You. You are hagiadzo to God. Uh, Hebrews 10.10 is one example. It talks about how we were hagiadzoed through the death of Christ. And and the easiest way to to picture it, you were made holy. You were declared holy. You were washed. You were set apart. And and that hagiadzo has this idea of you're taking something that was maybe useless, maybe no good, and you're making it something that's prominent. You're putting it in a different place. Okay, so getting back to this, how does this have to do with God being great? Well, he wants us to Hagiadzo his name. Which means, you know, a lot of times in this world, his name, his reputation, it's very shrouded, very veiled. Um, who he is is an issue that's attacked a lot. And there's a lot of false things that are said about him. What we're asking him to do is to take all that darkness, take all, all the lies and all the falsehood and, and just burn it up so that we can see who he is. Hallowed be your name means, God, please let your name be holy so that I know who you are. And his name is his reputation. Who is he? He is love. He is gracious. He is forgiving. He's slow to anger. He's compassionate. You know, you look through all these things about who God is. That's one reason to call him great. Call him great because of who he is. You're thinking, ah, oh, Pastor Matt, that's, that's elementary stuff. I want to do a super-duper prayer where I really tell him how great he is. Fine, you can take the next step then. Jesus gives you another prompt, another, another cue. When you pray to God, tell him, your kingdom come. Uh, we think kingdom, that must be referring to heaven, right? Let heaven come. Well, in a sense, you know, that's one of the ways you could think of it. But more literally, when, when the Bible talks about God's kingdom, it's not this far-off thing that we have to wait for. The kingdom is right here. Kingdom refers to God in action. And when God's in action, you know, what does he do? He takes people that are dead in sin, people who are on the path to hell, and he washes them, forgives them, and he puts them in heaven. That's God's kingdom. And I think you can find plenty of opportunities in your life when you look back and you say, wow, I really deserve to be on that cross instead of Jesus. But God... Your kingdom means that I get to be in heaven with you. So your first talking point in prayer, you, you know, you're sitting in your group of eight or whatever, and you're praying out loud, God, thank you for being who you are, for being a loving Father who has open arms for me and for doing everything to make sure that I'm with you. Thank Him for who He is and for what He's done. That's, that's the first talking point. The second talking point is kind of a repeat from what we did last week. In fact, If you were here last week, do you remember what Pastor Ben did with his first fill-in? Do you remember? Probably stuck out for me only. What he did with his first fill-in on on the sermon notes sheet, he copied me. (laughs) Uh, He copied me from the previous week. And so what I'm going to do here is I'm going to copy him a little bit, but I'm going to change it. You see, I'm going to sue him for for, uh, copyright issues that he took my work. Um, No, I'm not. But anyway, I'm going to kind of borrow something that he talked about last week because it fits in with what Jesus, this is the second talking point when you're talking to God, and that is, tell God his way is better. Um, And this goes on with, you know, in the Lord's Prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You're telling God your will, your way is better. Let's go ahead and put that next phrase up there. Uh, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, A quick story to illustrate, you know, what, what this really means for your prayers this is a story that goes back before the internet and you're going to see why in just a second Um, so in this story there's this old pastor who is a pastor at this old church and he has this old robe very old very tattered you know it's falling apart and he says to himself i need to get a new robe i need to order a new robe and what what did you do before the internet to order something Okay, the kids are looking at me with with very curious eyes. What did you do before the internet to order things? You got a catalog, you got a magazine, right? And you looked at what you wanted, you had to page through it, this is the one I want, and you had to fill out an order form with a pen. You fill in the blanks, okay? That's the old way of doing things. So as he picked his robe, this is the one I need, he he filled out the order form and he noticed something at the bottom of the order form. It was a, a little box that he could either check or leave empty. And it basically said this, do you give us permission to exchange your materials with something else if what you chose is not in stock? In other words, if, if you chose something that we don't have, do we have permission to give you something different? And, and this pastor was thinking, uh, ah, kind of risky, you know. I don't, I'd rather have control over what I'm doing, but I really need the robe, so fine. He crossed it off, or he checked it, so that they could go ahead and exchange it if, if needed. Um, so he sends it off. Two weeks later, package arrives. And you know that exciting feeling you get, right? When you had something on Amazon that you ordered and it shows up. You're like, oh, what did I get, what did I get? And so he's opening up this box and he's looking inside. And right there, the first thing he sees is this big red piece of paper. And in big letters, it says, dear customer, we are Sorry. The material you ordered was not in stock. Oh, he throws the paper aside. He's like, what did I get myself into? Is this going to be like Joseph's multicolored coat? You know, a robe that's just all crazy. Um, So he he looks in the box, he pulls it out, and he holds it up. Then he feels it. And he said, this feels nice. This is nicer than than what I ordered. It looks nice. It's got this breathable fabric so that he can stay, like, not sweaty behind the pulpit and stuff like that. And he realized this was actually something a lot nicer than what he had ordered. And so he looked back at that red sheet and down at the bottom in fine print it said, if what you want is not available, we will always upgrade you to the next best thing at no cost. That's just their policy. And I think, how, how, how don't we need to do that also uh, with God? When, when we send up our prayers to him, don't we need to check off that box and say, you know what, I picked something that I thought looks good. And I pick something that I think will work great for me. But God, if you have something better, I'll take it. And it's not like we need to give him permission to do that, right? He'll, he'll give us whatever he wants to. But he wants to hear it. He wants to hear you tell him, God, your way is better than mine. And when you play that out, it falls very naturally that we look at the next thing Jesus teaches us about talking points, and prayer cues. Uh, Because when when we submit to God's will, when we say His way is better, then it's going to have an impact on the things that we ask for. Uh, Jesus teaches us to say, give us today our daily bread. Would you change the word in red to something else? Let's say Jesus just left this a fill-in-the-blank for you. Give us today our blank bread. I would pray bigger. <laughs> I would pray bolder. I would say, daily bread is good. How about a month's worth? How about a year's worth? How about you give me some security? And in this, in this request right here, here's where we begin to see that there's a huge difference between the way God thinks and the way we think. Uh, you know, we think that daily bread maybe isn't enough. Have you ever prayed this part of the Lord's Prayer and you sort of scoffed in the back of your mind? <laughs> You're thinking, I got a month's worth of food in my pantry. But I'll ask God if, if he wants to, to uh you know cover the tab for today I'll let him do that. Now, how does this play out as as far as God providing daily bread? And the other thing this, this this uh request brings up is that there's a huge difference between us and between God. We are needy things. We need food, we need clothing, we need protection, we need shelter. We're needy creatures. But you know what God is? In one word, He is eternal. Eternal means He doesn't need to eat. He doesn't need to sleep. He doesn't need rest. He is a continual state of being. We are dependent, He is completely independent. As you play through this, you begin to see that you know, there's a pretty big difference between us and God. And the danger and the foolishness, the outright foolishness, is when we look at, at what's in our pantry and we say, Wow, I did a good job of storing stuff up. Or you look at it, all the stuff in your banking account and you're saying, I did a great job there. Now, a common phrase we, we use in this world is self-made man. I'm a self-made man. Made a great name for myself. Made a great uh, bundle of cash for myself. People love me. And you look at all these accomplishments you might have, and, and you begin to think that you're the independent one, that it all flows from you and from me. God sees things differently. And to take the, the next step here, you know, we look. You know, give us today our daily bread. Uh, this is also going to transition in, into another key thought that must be a talking point in all of our prayers. Uh, the third one here, tell God you trust Him for everything because you know what? You depend on Him for everything. So tell Him. You depend on Him for daily food. You depend on Him for spiritual things, for earthly things. You trust him for everything. Now this next talking point is going to test that. This is what he wants you to say. Forgive us our debts. Even we in this world recognize uh, there ain't nothing that's free. If you get something for free, either you're paying for it some way or somebody else is. Do you know what you're telling God when, you're, when you tell him, forgive me my debts? forgive me my sins, what you're telling him is, I know that I have a debt. But God, make someone else pay for it. When you stand guilty before God and you ask him to forgive you, what you're saying is, God, I know that you should declare me guilty. Declare someone else guilty instead. When you stand before God, you know that you are going to get punished. You say, God, forgive me. Punish someone else instead of me. Doesn't that sound pretty self-absorbed? <laughs> if, if this request is coming from you and coming from me, that we're telling God to put our blame somewhere else, that is a little far beyond what we're able to do. But this request does not come from you. It does not come from me. This is a talking point that Jesus trains you to use with your Father in heaven. He commands you when you pray, say, Father, forgive us. We are needy. We need daily bread. We need God's continual attention. He is eternal. But do you know what? The God who was eternal decided to love you so much that he became needy, that he became dependent on his own providential care to survive. The Son of God became a human being in this world. He became hungry. He became thirsty. He became tired. He became a needy creature just like you and me. And here's what made him unique. You know, being not just human but also God. I, if I were in his shoes, I would have been a lot different. Being a needy creature. If, if I were in his shoes, I could do miracles. I, you know, I'd do amazing things so that I could get a great name for myself. People would love me. But, you know, Jesus said, I'm not going to do that. Uh, the only name that matters is the name of my Father in heaven. To him be the glory. Uh, Jesus could have done things to make a great kingdom follow him. In fact, people wanted that at one time. Jesus said, no. There's only one kingdom, and that's not in this world. Could have done a lot of things to make his will happen, impose it on other people, forget about the whole cross thing but you know what he said. He said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. You see, when Jesus teaches us these talking points in the Lord's Prayer, what he's really doing is he's showing you everything that he did for you to be the perfect human being that you could possibly be. And even when it came to that moment of decision, you know, there's the cross staring him in the face. What will he do? He decided to go up on it so he could stand between you and God. we know that when we come to God, we we have this sin, we have this guilt, we need this punishment. But Jesus said, I'm going to stand in front of it for you and I'm going to take it for you. And as God poured out his anger on Jesus, that anger was not satisfied. God was not happy until his son was dead and in a tomb. Uh, Sometimes we might think, well, good, that bought me some time. No, God. God's anger was satisfied for a moment while, while his son sacrificed himself for me. But you know what? That, that couldn't be further from the truth. I can prove to you that what Jesus did on the cross has eternal significance for you. Because if God was still angry, if there were still things to punish, he would have left his son in the tomb. But he didn't. He came back to life, and now your Savior is in heaven, reigning over all things. That's your proof, that there's nothing left to punish. There's no debt that you still have to pay. When you say, Father, forgive us, He's done it. And this is a truth that really has an impact on us. And again, here's where we start to shift our, our view as, as Jesus teaches us these talking points. For, for a lot of this, we've been praying for ourselves. You know, uh, uh, give us your name. Uh, give us your kingdom. Uh, give us daily bread. Uh, let your will be done. You know, we're asking him for things. But now, our, our, our attention must change for a moment. When we receive his forgiveness, when he's forgiven our debts, this is how we respond. As we also have forgiven. This is a natural reaction. When God forgives without condition, we can't help but forgive those who might be in our debt. It's a natural reaction of praise. And that's your talking point with him. Tell him that you trust him. Tell him that there's nothing you bring to the table, but you trust that when you approach him, he forgives and he welcomes you as his child but you're not out of the woods yet, right? As you look forward in your life, there are a lot of temptations and a lot of things that can still happen that want to divert you from your loving God. Do you trust Him to take care of you? Do you trust Him that even, like Psalm 23 says, even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, do you trust that He is leading you through it? Then tell Him. Uh, The last words here. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Tell him that you know there's temptations coming up that you can't handle on your own. Tell him that there is an evil one prowling around that wants to devour you, and you're helpless unless he's there to help. Tell him, Father, I depend on you completely. That's that's your prayer talk. That's your talking point with him. Okay, so let's, let's uh, break up into groups of eight. If you eight could get together here and... No, I'm not going to do that. But picture it for a moment, okay? Picture it that, that we're in small groups here. Maybe it's just with your family. And I say, time to pray out loud. What do you say? You know what? I, for, for, as we close up here, I want to show you that it's not just, you know... This uh, crazy command or this crazy encouragement that God gives, but there is a very specific reason why God says when you, when you connect with Him, it's good to have an open window with others. Uh, the, the cool thing, maybe you've done this before, have you or Eve's dropped on someone's conversation? <laughs> So you like, yeah, I have, yeah. I'm, I'm not meaning the creepy way where like you're, you're at the door, but I'm just like if you're in the office and someone's next door and they're talking about something, you overhear it. Or if you're sitting in your living room and someone's in the kitchen, you can hear them talking. And maybe you overheard something where you know you can help. They're talking about an issue that they don't know where to go and, and you've, you've gone through that. Or they have a problem that you can solve. What do you do after overhearing them? You know, hopefully, most of the time we would get up and say, Hey, I couldn't help but hear what you said. I can help. I'm here. I've gone through this, or I have what you need. Think of that as your prayer group, where when you pray out loud with a group, your prayer is connecting you to God, and that's the primary focus. But at the same time, you have a window open to the people around you. And I can't tell you how many stories I've heard. Of When people pray to God in a group, sometimes the answer to their prayer is sitting right next to them. I've heard of growth groups where a person is praying, they've been in a bad financial situation, then their car broke down, they can't afford to fix it till the next paycheck. And after the prayer, a person comes up like, you know, I overheard your prayer, I have an extra car, use it. The most life-changing thing that, that that I've heard happen. You get these growth groups together, and you know what? We're all kind of timid with our with our public prayers, and maybe we hold back. But there was one woman who was not sharing anything. She just would not do it. Uh, there was something that she had done long ago, and she was ashamed of it. She figured God couldn't forgive it. And finally, she said, "Fine, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna confess it to God with an open window to others." And she told how she had done this this horrible thing years ago. And you know what? The people did around her. They said, oh, friend, you're forgiven. When, when you put yourself in a group of people, whether it's your family or whether it's a growth group, when you put yourself in a situation, when you pray to God with an open window to others, I want you to be ready for God to do some amazing things. That's one of the chief ways that he enables us to love one another, to encourage one another to share each other's burdens and to plan each other's celebrations and when you open that window to other people it's amazing to see how your father steps in uh, so, so that's, that's my, my challenge uh, for you it, start small start with one person if you want to start with your family start with your growth group uh, fi- find a place where you can connect to God in a safe environment while also opening up the window to those around you and I guarantee God's going to do some amazing things through that. Let me say a prayer for you as we close up. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all the great things that you've done for us, that you have revealed yourself to us, who you are, and, and that you've also shown us what you've done. I ask that you would give all the people in this room boldness and confidence to approach you in prayer, to do that both privately privately, but also to, to find a safe uh, place where they can pray to you with an open window to others. And, and let us see the joy in that, that we get to share not just with your community, but with, with each other's community, and that we get to strengthen and encourage each other and be the answer to other people's prayers. Thank you for the gift of your Son, by which you have brought us close to you and to one another. We pray all these things in his name.